Good evening. Uh, this is the Voice of America in Washington. Welcome to another edition of Reporters Roundtable. I'm Douglas Simpuga. This evening, we'll look back at the year 2021 in Africa and look at major events. With us tonight is my colleague, Vincent Macquarie, Managing Editor, TV English to Africa. Uh, Vincent, welcome to the show. It's a pleasure. Thank you very much. Douglas. You're very much welcome. And joining us from Durban, South Africa, is Suleiman Mugula, an independent political analyst. Uh, good evening, Suleiman. Good evening, Douglas. So, as I said, we were looking at major events in Africa in the year 2021. Uh, of course, uh, gentlemen, we can't start in, with anything else. Uh, we, we can't overlook the impact of COVID-19 on the continent in the year 2021. Uh, the struggle to vaccinate Africa against COVID-19 continued in 2021. The two nations uh, finally managed to make some progress in Morocco. At 60% fully vaccinated, South Africa 22%, Rwanda 19%, but others have barely started. Cameroon is just at 0.1% fully vaccinated, Chad at 0.4%, DR Congo, Emiga, Emiga, just I think very few, I think tens of, I mean 0.05%. So, Vicent, looking back at the year. Africa, COVID scare, then the vaccine came in, then they couldn't get the vaccine. Yes. Uh, you know, the story of Africa continues to be, unfortunately, uh, very uh, consistent when it comes to uh, lagging behind all the other continents, especially when it comes to uh, certain, um, you know, developmental issues and so even in terms of vaccination, the continent continues to be way behind many of the countries, many of the other, I mean, all the rest of the continents. And the reason is that uh, Africa was uh, back of the queue when uh, uh, the countries, uh, the rest of the world started putting orders for uh, vaccines. Uh, and so it has been receiving a trickle of vaccines because it was never a priority. Africa does not produce any vaccines on the continent, so it has been depending on uh, what uh, it can receive from other countries, uh, whether it is the United States, European countries, China. Some have come from India, and sometimes there was a stoppage from India because India was experiencing its own resurgency. So it is still a sad situation. We only, uh, you know, keep that hope that... Um, more of the African people will continue being resilient to COVID-19, will not um, be infected uh, even uh, as we go through cycles of resurgences. But nevertheless, uh, because of COVID, many people across Africa have been affected in many other ways, you know, economically, socially, and otherwise. So that, mm. that is where we are. We're mm -hmm. still not out of the woods. I see. Uh, Suleiman, briefly. Yeah, Douglas, as we said from the beginning, the pandemic has exposed the vulnerability of Africa. It has it has shown the the weaknesses, the endemic weaknesses and inherent weaknesses which we have as a continent. The pandemic caught us by surprise. It found us unprepared, and we failed to unprepare to prepare. We failed to procure testing kits, we failed to procure PPEs. When we started, corruption came in, many people got involved, 
we squandered the resources. We didn't have enough resources. We have never given the health services enough resources. We have failed to give them the resources. From the figures which you have given, you can see that many countries on the continent, apart from Morocco and South Africa, to a lesser extent, Rwanda, though we cannot include Rwanda too much because the population is too small, but to a large extent, most of the countries are totally failing even to vaccinate the people. That shows you that inherently we are still weak, we lack the leadership, we lack the ability to formulate policies, we lack the ability to mobilize the resources. As you have said, up to date, many countries have not been able to mobilize a, a, a local resources to mm. be able to procure vaccines for themselves to help the population. That is not only on the response as far as vaccination is concerned. Even other areas, we lack the ability, we lack the creativity, we lack the leadership to be able to respond to some of the problems which have been brought about by COVID. For example, education. It is so shameful that to date, there are countries which have closed which have been in schools lockdown from the time COVID came up to today. Countries like Uganda, they have never been able even to open up schooling. So for two years, the school system has collapsed totally. It is under lockdown. So they, they don't have, the country does not even have the creative leadership which can be able to come up with the, with the, with the policies that mm. can help to return the children to class. So that, that is the situation we are in as a continent, still vulnerable, still hopeless as it were, though there are some few areas of good, of good, of good, of good, lead, good leadership. I see. Well, apart from COVID-19 and its impact, there were, uh, Africa had its share of military coups uh, in 2021. In Mali, uh, coup led by Colonel Asimi Goita in May. In Guinea, Alpha Conte was ousted by the army. Uh, so, Vicente, Africa's uh, uh, track record of coups continues. You know, for some years, people thought the uh, culture of coups had died, uh, that democracy mm. would take, was taking root across the continent. And, in fact, many people are making references to successful elections in many of the countries where coups were the order of the day, be it Nigeria... Uh, and even uh, Guinea, uh, you know, even in Mali, people were seeing a kind of a progression towards uh, uh, democracy. Uh, but then uh, 2021 has proved that, you know, you can make progress uh, and still uh, regress if you don't care, uh, take care. And, and what we've seen is uh, uh, an emergency of uh, uh, coups, which is a really ugly thing and 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 a, a, a kind of uh, it, it takes you back to the bad many um uh, of those bad years in the past where coups were the order of the day across the continent so to see uh, the coups in mali to see guinea uh, to see uh, what's happening in sudan which is one of the latest where although it had been under military rule uh, there was hope now that um, you know the civilians were uh, going to have a say after the formation of a, a you know a hybrid um, government which was supposed to be transitional but led by a civilian prime minister after uh, the ouster of uh, Omar al-Bashir but
I have to say that Africa needs to reassess itself and uh, think seriously about what should be done to make sure that coups can never happen anywhere. The military should stay in the barracks, should be focused on uh, protecting the nation against external threats. The militaries are not designed to govern civilians in their country. That is not the purpose of the, the army. But until and unless the Africa uh, Union and other organs within the African continent uh, have uh, come up with a mechanism which ensures that whatever happens in a country, however badly it's doing, the military should never be the alternative. A coup should never be the alternative because it never ends well in most cases. Uh, Suleiman, your take on Af coups in Africa in 2021? Uh, Douglas, 2021, like uh, the past years, for almost a decade, it starts with a lot of hope for the people of Africa, but ends up in a lot of hopelessness. One would expect, as Vincent has said, that by now, coups would be the uh, talk of the past, but they continue to, uh, to, to, to be seen on the African continent. And that one clearly is an indication of the failure of the African continent to get a proper transition into democracy. Mm -hmm. Many of the African countries have remained fragile. We have failed to get uh, stable nations. We have failed to get good leadership. We have got leadership which is uh, largely untrustworthy, leaders who promise one day but cannot fulfill their promises. I mean, in many of the countries where we have had coups, it was, it was, it was expected almost because in Guinea, Conakry, Guinea had had problems before. Uh, when uh, President Conde came in, he knew that the country had been under a lot of instability for a number of years. He needed transit and provide civilian leadership, which is sustainable, instead of providing a sustainable leadership. After his terms of office, he decided to extend the term limits. That one was indirectly calling in for instability, Definitely it happened, and it called in a coup. Malawi, I mean, Mali also had the same thing. And not only that, apart from those ones, the, even other countries, they are still very fragile. When you look at the situation in southern Sudan, in Sudan, in Rwanda, in Uganda, in DRC, in Swaziland, in, 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 in Gambia, a borough had promised he would only pass, only take, would be only a transitional leader. Now he wants to 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 participate as a as a candidate. Should he manage to manipulate things and go through? Even Gambia will be set for another uh, period of instability and possibly even a coup. In 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 in, in Nyasimbe, that is Togo. In Togo. The leadership has remained intransigent. He does not talk to opposition leaders. The population is restless. That one can also invite a coup. In Gabon, 
the leader got a straw, he cannot walk, he talks, he's unstable, but he's insisting to stay in power. You can also see the instability pending in that particular country. So by and large, we can still say it is not the appetite of soldiers as such, but also the governance, uh, governance problems we, which have persisted on the continent. They are the ones which continue inviting soldiers on the scene. So the AU and other institutions have also to find a solution to those leaders who have insisted to misgovern their countries, those who have insisted to die in power, not to surrender power. The, the continent has to come up with a solution for those people. I see. Uh, gentlemen, we cannot leave the, 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 the situation without talking about uh, the ongoing war, the war, the year-long war in Ethiopia. Briefly, what's, what's your take on the, on the... It was a big issue on the continent. Yes. You know, the war in Ethiopia continues, and uh, people still are dying. And as we speak now, we're getting to a time where there has been fear that, um, in fact, it's going to uh, explode, that, in fact, Ethiopia could implode uh, with the Tigrayans and other uh, opposing uh, movements actually saying they were marching on to Addis Ababa. Uh, It's uh, hard to predict how things are going to end. The U.S. is trying to mediate. uh, The European unions are trying their best to, uh, you know, sort of uh, bring this uh, different sides to the table. The Africa Union has been doing uh, shuttle diplomacy uh, through a Nigerian former president, Olesheguno Basanjo. But I, I think the lesson here is that um, uh, when you have issues within a country, it helps mm. to resolve them mm. as soon as you can amicably and always remember that if you set that fire on if you set the country on fire it's so difficult to put off the fires and it might take a long time and many lives before you resolve a conflict Uh, it doesn't i i always think it does not make sense to me uh, to make peace after you have had uh, many lives lost after so many women have been raped, after so many children have been orphaned. Why not resolve the differences that lead to the conflict mm. before uh, you have all this damage done? What we are seeing in Ethiopia is that, however, things end in Ethiopia, whether eventually they come to their senses and uh, have a peace arrangement and the Federation of Ethiopia remains intact or it, it disintegrates or something changes in Addis Ababa, the damage that has already been done is, uh, is, so, is so severe, it's so ugly that you can't fix it. Mm-hmm. You just can't fix it yes. easily, mm-hmm. and it's a very, very sad development. Uh, Suleiman on Ethiopia. Ethiopia is a very complicated, it has been a complicated problem. in in the continent, there are two issues there, uh, Douglas. One is that on the continent, we have failed to get a culture of solving internal conflicts peacefully. Incumbent leadership on the continent has insisted to treat opposition as enemies. 
the approach has led to endless conflicts. If Abil had 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 the feeling, he had had the humility to extend his hand to his fellow Ethiopians, as, as Vincent has said, the problem would have been solved earlier peacefully. I don't see why. If in South Africa Mandela could sit with the, with the, with the whites who had dominated and, and, and mistreated the, other, the black population for such a long time, why couldn't Abil Ahmed talk to the Tigerians when they had a, a, a disagreement? So that is number one. Number two, we have failed to get leadership that can respect transition. When leaders are given the responsibility to transit countries in Africa, when they are given powers to provide the transition, they end up preparing for themselves to stay in power. Mm -hmm. That culture has remained. So long as that culture continues, we shall continue to have conflict a, a recurring because if you have been given a transition and you don't fulfill it the forces which removed you have not rested they will still remain there and they will still try to fight back then the conflicts continue and they reoccur that is also what is happening in Ethiopia it is very sad as uh, as um, Vincent has said it seems now it is becoming more and more complicated to stop and it's going to be very, very costly for the Ethiopians. I see. Well, if you're just joining us, you're listening to Reporters Roundtable. We are coming to you from The Voice of America in Washington. Tonight, we're looking at events in Africa in the year 2021. Our panelists are my colleague, Vincent Makori, Managing Editor, TV English to Africa, and Suleiman Mugula, an independent political analyst based in Durban, South Africa. And I'm your host, Douglas Simpuga. Well, gentlemen, uh, 2021 was not only doom, doom and gloom in Africa. In August, uh, challenger Hakainde Hichilema's victory over Zambia and President Edward Lungu gave democracy uh, advocates hope of reversing the country's seeming slide into authoritarianism. Uh, gentlemen, Zambia was a shining example in the year, of, at, in, at least on the continent, we said. Yes. Uh, you know, we have to give credit where credit is due. And in this case, uh, the voters of Zambia have to be commended for having come out in full force uh, to make their choice of their leader for the next few years. Uh, but also, there has to be commendation given to the Electoral uh, Commission that... Uh, uh, stood for what was supposed, what was actually, uh, you know, uh, the verdict of the people. Uh, I say this because in many African countries, voters ought, ought to always be commended because they do come out in full force and uh, make, uh, you know, their 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 votes uh, count or try to make their votes count. But many times they are disappointed because the people who count the the votes uh, decide uh, who becomes a president instead of allowing the voters to decide. And that's why we end up having all these issues in many countries. So it's not like uh, elections don't happen well in many African countries. The voters do uh, cast their votes. They do their part. Uh, the challenges with the Electoral Commission. I want to really commend the electoral body in Zambia for having stood for the rights 
of the Zambian people and, 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 and announced the results as they were supposed to be. We know that initially uh, the outgoing president, the former president, uh, Edgar Lungo, had started uh, protesting and claiming that there was rigging just simply because he was, he was losing. And usually that's a precursor to interference with the process. Uh, but then the the saving grace here was actually the difference in uh, in numbers mm. between those who voted for uh, the the then opposition candidate Hakainde Chilema and those who voted for Edgar Lungu, which was a whopping one million difference. Chilema getting mm. uh, over two point eight million votes against mm. uh, Edgar Lungu's one point eight million votes, which. Uh, uh, was impossible even for the electoral commission to to, to play about. To, to play about. Mm-hmm. So it, it was a shining example. Uh, just a disclaimer, you know, there are many cases in Africa where we have seen the hopes of the people raised, the hopes of the continent raised. Uh, but it, two years, three years down the line, sometimes four years, we get disappointed because the uh, the leadership kind of uh, renegades uh, uh, on Honestly. the promises they made, mm. uh, disappoint the people, or sometimes even try to manipulate the uh, the constitution so they can stay on in power. So we're just hoping that Zambia will continue moving on this path and that uh, it will give Africa a model to follow. I see. Uh, Suleiman. Uh, the, the bright spots like Zambia continue to inspire the populations the the population of africa because the opposite is worse the fruits of what came out of zambia are self-explanatory immediately after the election the country quietens down the people who have been given the responsibility tackles it goes straight to the job which they have been given unlike in countries where the, the electoral commissions fail to, st- to stand on the side of the people and then they stand on the side of the incumbents. There, the, the fruits are also known. Immediately after, there is less resistance. There is a, the incumbent government has to start enforcing laws which are unpopular. Even the development agenda is is. is is left aside and then it starts only repression and then the country slides into uh, endless conflicts and endless uh, lack of development so it is really a blessing for the continent it continues to inspire to inspire the people it comes at the heels of malawi you can compare what is happening in malawi there is a lot of hope for the people of malawi there is a lot of hope for people of zambia to continue to add on the other side of the of those countries which have taken which have crossed the Rubicon, the Ghanas, the Senegals, the Nigerians, the Botswanas, the South Africans, where really election means election, election means the voice of the people, and election becomes a decider. If you are not performing, the only way you can be removed from the office is by people voting you. They give you a clear message, and then those who come in can be given the opportunity to serve. I think that was very positive for year 2021 for the continent. I see. Uh, well, you are in South Africa, Suleiman, and uh, towards the end of the 2021, uh, apartheid's last leader, Frederick William de Clark, died, uh, sparking a mm-hmm. national conversation among South Africans about his life and legacy. Mm-hmm. 
uh, the, 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 the guy was, he has those who think he was okay, others have doubts. You are in South Africa, uh, your comment about the death of the clerk. You see, my comment does not differ very much from the larger population of South Africa. It is a divided comment. It is very difficult to apportion. It is very difficult to appreciate it. I think you need a very sober mind to be able to, to, to pay your tribute to the man. First of all, this was, Duclerc was part of a generation of white leaders whose leadership was, uh, was declared a crime against humanity. So if you have really been declared to be one of those who have been carried out such atrocities to the people, it is very difficult now to say whether though you apologize, though you show remorse at the end, though you willingly hand over power at the end, whether actually you did it voluntarily or you did it because you are forced or you did it because really you genuinely believed that uh, uh, they had to be changed. So it is still a debate in the country and still divided. Some feel he should not be forgiven because he was part of the system. He started it when he was still young. He, he perpetuated it. And even at the end, though he handed it, um, though he handed power over to the black people, but there were still so many skeletons which remained in the cupboard. So a lot of information is not disclosed yet. He has died when so many questions are still being asked. Mm -hmm. So many people who disappeared, so many people who were killed, and the people who killed them were not disclosed. So it is a mixed, uh, mixed bag. I see. But others, mm -hmm. those who feel he did a good thing, is that he, he was among those who helped. Mm. to prevent a, a, a bloodbath in the country because at the time when he, to, when he handed over, really the, both extremes were really at each other's neck and anything could have happened. The bloodbath or a genocide could have happened. I see. Vincent, it's tough to find a man who was equally hated and who liked. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, one of the challenges of uh, um, assessing a person like... Uh, de Clark is that um, uh, as, as um, Hula has just mentioned, they, these are people came out of a system mm. that strongly believed that uh, they are a superior race and uh, as a consequence committed so many atrocities. Now it is him and the system. Uh, he did not rise up to become the president of that country uh, by being an angel, by believing that uh, apartheid is a terrible system. He mm. believed in the system. He lived the system. Mm. He supported the system until such a time that it was no longer tenable to continue, uh, you know, maintaining apartheid in South Africa, just mm. like colonialism, uh, just like the changes in uh, the United States with the civil rights movement. Some of these leaders are just happen to be living at a time when it is impossible to continue with that system. 
It is not necessarily because they suddenly wake up one morning and think, oh, this is a terrible system. And so uh, I also hold the view that a person like him, if indeed it was to be uh, at least um, uh, to, to kind of sanitize his image as an individual, he would have uh, come out and first said, apartheid is a terrible system. I personally believed it, but I think this was a terrible thing for me to have held in my heart and my mind. And then, of course, address the issue of the people who suffered, who died, who have been impoverished over, this, over that time. Because I've always found that in the history of this world, many people, uh, many systems have a very hard time to acknowledge atrocities committed against black people, to acknowledge uh, the parts they've played, because to for some strange reason, it feels like uh, you know black people mm. need to just forget, mm -hmm. forgive and forget. Mm -hmm. But many in many situations, whether it is in the United States or uh, Namibia mm. or South Africa. It has become very hard for any of those leaders to actually come out and say it was not good what we did. It was unfair. Okay. So he dies. Mm. And as uh, African tradition is that, you know, when somebody dies, don't. we don't necessarily keep uh, talking so ill of him because it's, mm. it's, a close, it's a close chapter. I see. Well, mm. we're out of time, gentlemen. That wraps up this edition of Reporters Roundtable. Thanks to my colleague, Wilson Macquarie, Managing Editor, TV English for Africa, and Suleiman Mugula, an independent political analyst based in Durban, South Africa. Gentlemen, thanks very much for being on the show. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Pleasure. You're welcome. Once again, thanks very much for tuning in. And uh, I'm your host, Douglas Simpuga, wishing you all the best. <laughs>